0: O God, who instructs the hearts of your faithful by the light of your Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to be truly wise and live as your people. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am overflowing with love and joy as I finally join you this morning as your rector to worship in an ancient style filled with beauty and meaning, to continue to build this loving community together, and to serve all those we encounter with the love of Christ. For some of us, we were raised in the Episcopal Church and consider ourselves cradle Episcopalians, exposed to this way of following Jesus from when we were little, by parents and extended family, and then chose to continue or come back to this path. Others of us came to the Episcopal Church by differing routes, drawn by its welcome, its invitation to question our faith and sacred texts without judgment, by the beauty of its liturgy, or for a host of other reasons. I am in this latter category. And one of the things I love about the Episcopal Church is that we follow a lectionary according to a three-year pattern labeled simply A, B, and C, that focuses our readings from the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which summarize the life of Christ in a similar way. And year C has always been my favorite as we highlight the Gospel of Luke. However, this week's passage gave me reason to reevaluate my fondness for Luke, <laughs> despite the magnificent We hear of a manager who is accused of recklessly handling his master's business accounts, and then promptly demonstrates what he is accused of. Now, if that's not bad enough, he's commended for this in the story. And then Jesus turns around and commends the behavior. Now, this goes against everything that would be expected of a people called to holiness, purity, honesty, and integrity. If the parable shocks and bothers you as it does me, then we are in the good company of numerous biblical scholars and commentary writers who call this passage particular, difficult, and challenging. This is not a text I would recommend for an initial sermon to a new faith community. (laughs) But in keeping with Jesus' call for us to engage in difficult spaces, this is perhaps the very best place to start because following Jesus can be very complicated, and it can take us to places we never anticipated going, geographically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, and socially. So as we take another look at this together, knowing our faith tradition recognizes that there is not just one way of looking at the text, but there is always a richness and wisdom to be found therein. We do not know for certain if the manager is guilty of what he is accused of. But we know that his way of life is about to change. In preparation for the change, this man takes a good hard look at the situation he is now facing. He is part of a system that does not afford him justice by a fair hearing, unemployment compensation, or retirement. He is part of the Roman system of commerce that on paper limited to loans to 12% but unscrupulous lenders sometimes charged as much as 48%. He has gentle hands that are not used to manual labor, and instead of collecting money from others, he will need their goodwill to survive. Like the people who are in debt, he is trapped in a system where he cannot be guaranteed what he needs to survive. So he finds a way to make the system work for him. That it was the way it was and he is commended for it. It is not hard to draw a parallel from that to the present time. Systems are still broken. People are still subject to violence, loss, inequities, and hopelessness. Does faithfulness to these systems equate with faithfulness to God? Many years ago, when paychecks were made of paper, the director of a social service program grew tired of his staff members complaining about the recipients gaming the system with what was then called welfare. He repeatedly explained the bind that their clients were in and advocated for structural changes and that they would have more compassion for their clients. But it was to no avail. So one Friday, he left work early, instructing his office administrator. God bless them, to distribute the paychecks as usual at the very end of the day, and then immediately leave. As the staff opened their envelopes, each person's check was half the normal amount, with the usual notation that any discrepancies would be handled on Monday. Imagine their consternation not just opening up the envelope, but that on Monday, he called in sick. When he arrived on Tuesday, they angrily met him in mass at the door. He called them all together, brought them into the conference room, and gently listened to their complaints of how it was impossible to pay their bills with only half of their biweekly pay. They wondered how this glitch happened, and when would it be fixed? The director calmly listened and then reminded them that their clients had less than that, and they were expected to make that last for a whole month. If they couldn't do it for a few days, how could they expect it of their clients? And maybe, just maybe, that is why their clients found workarounds for a system that continued to fail them. Then he handed them their envelopes with the rest of their money and asked them to remember the pain and the anxiety they felt for a few days because that is what their clients experienced every day of their lives. He never heard another complaint. (laughs) I know this story is true. I met that man. I knew that man. That man was my father. He led a life that was willing to advocate for people who were not being treated with dignity as he worked to change a system that failed to provide for the basic necessities of life, weak, after week. He recognized what Jesus commended, that there is something to be learned by acting prudently and acting in unexpected ways when the situations around us are not as anticipated. That faithfulness to a destructive system does not equate with faithfulness to God, and to change it may require us to leave our gullibility and innocence behind. That sometimes we all need a reality check to begin or continue to find meaning in the work that God has called us to do, and that it is always a good thing that we recognize the suffering of others and do our best to relieve it, even if we must personally feel the pain first, and even if sometimes our motives are less than stellar. The wealth we have has been often accumulated through ungodly means. Our history tells us that but as the wealth we have can be used in one of two ways. It can be used to oppress other people, or we can use the wealth with which we are entrusted to make their lives better. Although the manager of the parable did it for selfish reasons, we can be prudent and generous in ways that are not self-serving, but are grounded in our love for God and for all of God's creation. This This is what All Saints has done and continues to do in so many ways. In the few days that I have been here already, I've discovered in my office a file, and in it are Kroger gift cards for me to give to people who are in immediate need of food. We provide soap and socks for people without homes. We provide space for groups like AA to support people in their sobriety and in their attempts at sobriety. We choose to be beacons of light despite systems that nurture violence and hatred through pride and anti-racism work. And we prepare a sacred space and liturgy to find rest from the demands of the world to worship, to be refreshed, and then become empowered to serve. We are a community where everyone is welcome without exception and we recognize the blessedness and belovedness of others and of ourselves. This gospel is not easy to unpack, and perhaps that's why it is so very necessary. Because life is not easy to unpack. It's complex and filled with changes, competing emotions, and sometimes questionable motives. Determining what is faithful to the gospel may not always be easily or quickly discerned. Yet, in all its complexity, we will move forward together in ways that will end oppression and express the love of God to all.